It's the AA Show, an anti-AI image show, man, for December 7th, 2022. How's it going? How goes it? Can people stop posting AI rendering of themselves on the internet? Remember two, three, or four years ago when we had that aging filter shit, and then some people found out that it's a very suspicious shell company, you know, from Rush Hour or something, Romania, I don't fucking remember. And then say, you know that you're sending all these data to anonymous Russian website and database, right? Right? You know, I don't be surprised if this is another one of those Chinese or the Russian effort to get all your face data. But regardless, I found the trend to be awfully dumb because there's a whole controversy with the AI-generated whatever image. It's great, but it's always like, what's it capable of? I'm just going like, as an abstract artist, like abstract art fan... You know, Klee or fucking Georgie, no Keith and all those people. I just go like, oh, fuck the AI drawings, man. They all look the fucking same at this point. So anyways, also, it's an anniversary. By the time you hear this, it's going to be 1,001 days since I've been sober. <laughs> oh, boy. Basically, since the COVID lockdown, because, uh, you know, COVID changed me. The virus, they tried to give me the virus, and then they fucking changed me. The China virus. I'm just impersonating Trump here, but, you know, hey, thousand days sober. And then uh, it changed me in a good way, I guess so, that I'm not drunk, you know. But at the same time, there are days that I just wonder, like, what if I drink again? What would happen? Maybe I should go 1,000 days the other way. Then again, I went to a club uh, a couple weeks ago just before the U.S. Thanksgiving. You know, the Wednesday night before the Thanksgiving Thursday. That's the biggest party night in the history of the year. And I went to a club. You know, And then uh, I decided to observe people with my girlfriend. Because I got it. Let's go hang out. This is the spot where people gather and watch drunk people hang out on the holidays. See, see what the fuck happens. And you know what? I... I did not realize, first of all, how every girl, you know, all the trendy dress kind of like dress the same. You, you, And then I don't remember all this because I'm like, when I was drunk years ago, I just go like, I don't remember all, all the girls looking kind of the same. But then I realized like whatever the fashion trend is, they kind of look like that. And then people who come out and party in the bars and clubs are usually people under 27, I would say. And then it's all, you know, it's it's the best party to go to if you're coming home for the holidays, right? And everybody looks so young. And then I'm like, I'm going to be in my mid-30s. And I, I'm I saying the, the, I'm, a, I'm a fucking old boomer. But I also see some old-ass fucking dudes that are there. And I'm like, are you a real estate agent, like, showing off your fucking money? Flaunt at this shit? Picking up young chicks? It's like, hey, I have a fucking Land Rover. I have a Range Rover fucking Botox face. All these motherfuckers. And I'm like, geez, is this how we look when we're drunk? It was an interesting life experiment. So I recommend you, the listener, if you ever become a designated driver or if you're ever sober curious, walk into a club, walk into a bar when it's a busy night, either Thursday, Saturday, or Friday night, and then just observe. And then, uh, you know, take people home. You know, you take your friends home. Go with the friends. You know, it's a very, very interesting experiment. I felt weird. I think first time I walked into a bar sober, was a year ago at an off company offsite. It was like a first in-person gathering in forever. I didn't know what the fuck to do at a bar. <laughs> but, you know, I had a sober buddy. Uh, you know, she was also sober for years, you know, even longer than I have been. And then she helped me through. And then we just ordered a club soda and then a uh, club soda and lime. 
you know, and then it's free. So they're like, yeah, I'm the designated driver and go from there. And ever since then, a year ago, I've been to many bars and first time a club, you know, but bars many times. And then it's a, it's an enlightening experience. And then on the one hand, I'm glad that I'm not drunk anymore. But there are days that I just go like, fuck, man. I just like, I need an alcohol, which is a case when I when I was at the airport, you know, last week, this past weekend where I was a uh, we were at a. Uh, surprise birthday party show up unannounced basically ish uh for a one day trip we went to boston somewhere in massachusetts and then came home and then uh i got a little sick is it a covid they try to give me the virus i'm not it's not that virus it's not covid i i ran through about three rapid tests you know i got the little sniffles you know and then um sore throat and all that i got a lot of mucus coming out uh it's, it felt like cold and then just flew. I don't have any other body aches and stuff, which is good news. And there's this uh, RSV going around, the respiratory virus. I don't know what the S... I don't know how to say that S word in there, but there's no cure vaccine for it. It usually comes up in the kids and the elders. And then it leads to like bronchitis or pneumonia and all that shit. And it's been picking up a lot. And then uh, a lot of people are like coughing and shit. And then I finally got one too. I think I might have gotten it from my lady friend over here. Who in turn got it got it from her family who was coming back from warmer climate and Costa Rica and shit. Anyways, I'm glad it's not COVID. You know, I'm double vaccinated and all that. But the problem that I I observed was at the airport, where people don't wear a mask anymore. It's not a mandate. Go listen to my 420 episode. You know, on that this year. But uh, pe- people are coughing and sniffling and shit. I was prepared because I started feeling it the worst as I was flying over to Boston Saturday. And once I landed, you know, I did, you know, I held off like coughing and stuff. I could like hang in there. But by the time I came home, I think a Monday night, I, I chugged down a couple of uh, Robotuzzin, the drowsy, the strong version. Dude, I passed the fuck out like 12 hours. And then I go like, wow, I must have been like really like fighting because I've been holding off coughing and like sniffling and blowing my nose for like pretty much two days and then i got home and then like all right i don't want to give my droplets to other people i'll wear a mask at all times uh and then at the airport i i heard people coughing and sniffling but they don't wear a mask and i'm like how selfish are you you fucking assholes have we not learned 1000 days i've been sober is exactly how long we have been locked down because of the covid the global pandemic for 1000 days didn't these people learn that like maybe you don't want to like share your fucking germs Wash your fucking hands. You know, the airline stopped giving you the sanitation wipe and all that stuff. So I'm like, the planes are fucking dirty despite their HIPAA level fucking air filtration system that they got. But I'm like, holy fuck, dude. At least do your part. You know, whenever the next more deadlier virus comes, that's another gonna be another type of a coronavirus. I'm just going to be like, you know, we sh- we sh- why do we spend money on these masks and shit if you're not going to use it? I thought these... Selfish cunts, I'll be honest I was mad at these people I'm doing my part to not spread my droplets And these people are And then other people don't call out on it I think we should shame sick people Flying, you know For not wearing their fucking mask Yeah, I understand, it's not the ideal thing to do But be, god sakes Like, be fucking at least like Aware of your fucking illness or something Like, I understand You might be a little too fat Carrying your type 2 diabetes and then, like, you can't smell your fucking, like, french fries through your fucking nose. But Jesus Christ, if you're gonna, like, cough and shit and actually have a pneumonia, like, 
do you not want to spread the virus that might cause it to me also? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. But anyways, so main thing I wanted to talk about is uh football. Football. And then uh my Colorado Buffaloes. Look, uh Colorado Buffaloes, University of Colorado in Boulder, hired Deion Sanders. Prime time. Coach Prime as their head coach of the program. I am elated and excited that this actually happened. Instead of going to University of Cincinnati, instead of going to University of Southern Florida, instead of going to, going to Auburn University, he came to Boulder, a Power 5 conference school. And to be frank, it's not just to see you Boulder that needed that jolt of energy. Entire fucking conference needed it. If you're listening to my old offsode from about four years ago after Michigan lost to Ohio State in 2018, and I said, it's time to talk about the UFM football, the one main thing that I got across there was like, look, U of M and Jim Harbaugh needs to change their approach on footballing. You need new ideas and new coordinators, younger preferably, because if you're just going to try to imitate Ohio State and Alabama's of the world, you'll just be less than. You either are better than or different than or you'll be less than. Their defensive scheme and then the offense like trying to do mimic some sort of like spread offense with a quarterback who's like dual threat. Uh, it just didn't work. Because one thing every team needs to strive for to be better at is to have good offensive line and the defensive line. You know, the game's it's a game of inches in the trenches, right? Once you have a strong offensive line then either you can establish a running game or protect a quarterback long enough to pass the fucking ball. So Michigan got the one part right with being better than in the trenches, however they do it. But they went with different than when it comes to defensive philosophy and then rest of the philosophies, which is we're going to get a different mindset, not another young coordinator or up-and-coming dude from another college like Oklahoma State or Boston College or some shit. We'll get somebody from the NFL because what I was getting to for University of Michigan football program four years ago is you are one of the top five programs, a brand name in the fucking world when it comes to gridiron football and any other sports. So you need to offer why people come here to spread your wings around the world. And Michigan Wolverines have not done that in the 2010s until Harbaugh came along. But then the initial, after the initial hype and success, it became evident that the recruiting pipeline and then the coaching philosophy into the NFL has not fully worked. So what they needed to offer was a different mindset and different coaching to attract the kids to the school. So Jim went to his brother John and basically got his assistants like Mike McDonald and then after that, Jesse Minter and all these guys and bring the Ravens thing along. Because to be frank, when when it was the most effective in the beginning was uh, when they had uh, the defensive coordinator. I forget his name all of a sudden. Before Don Brown, who you know who coached in the Ravens, and you know he said, "This is how Terrell Suggs tackles. Here's how Ray Lewis do it." You know, and then that kind of naming and uh, pipeline and legacy works great. And Michigan figured it out the last two years, and I hope they win the national championship. I think they have a better chance against Georgia, given what they built in a, such a short turnaround the last two years. 
after that disastrous 2020 season. And I said, do not fire Harbaugh even after 2019 because either he figures it out or no one will. Colorado has had a struggle of its program for the last 20 years or so. 22 years, they would say. I would, yeah. This season was so god-awful that I love betting against my own alma mater. You know? Any point spread that's like 14 and a half, 16 and a half against the Colorado Buffaloes. And then any points, total points over. Dude, easy money. I hated doing it because it was against my own school. But I bet against my own school to make me fucking money. And they had one of the worst... Stats when it comes to every aspect of a fucking football. Defensively, offensively, whatever. And yeah, this team, you know, this program really sucked when I was there. When John Embry was a head coach after they fired, uh, what, what's his face? The fucking, whatever. The, it didn't work ever since they left Big 12. They come to Pac-12 conference, they can't do shit. But to be frank, it's not a hard conference to fucking win at. Pac-12 as a whole has been a fucking joke. I don't care what West Coast people say. Oh, it's an East Coast bias. No, no, no. It's not an East Coast bias. Pac-12 as a whole for every sport have been irrelevant since the mid-2000s. Pete Carroll days of football. Jim Harbaugh when he was at Stanford. Fucking UCLA, USC, Washington, Arizona basketball all suck. They're all ass. What about the Olympic sports? All ass. I don't give a shit. Nobody watches them. You don't make money from them. I'm sorry. Pac-12 has been a fucking joke. And this school, University of Colorado, sucked. Other than having a very stable record in basketball, rest of them sucked. Including football. It reached a point where two LA teams decided to go to Big Ten. Because they realize they can't fucking compete and make the revenue, media revenue, that all the other conferences are getting. Just on football, Big 12 is better than Pac-12. Fucking ACC usurped Pac-12. And, like, easily in basketball. I don't care what you say. Pac-12 sucks. And then they haven't really produced talent. Even, like... The offensive mindset? Dude, why? Like, with a transfer portal and everything they got now, these days, everyone goes to Alabama and the East Coast, and if they don't get a playing time, they'll fucking leave. And Michigan and other programs got a lot of these players. That's how Michigan State succeeded. See, going back to Colorado itself, I thought the really good coach that they had was Mel Tucker before he you know, went off to the Michigan State. The reality of the Colorado program is that Unless you have a homebody like Tad Boyle for the basketball team. It's a stepping stone program to get to the next level. Mel Tucker obviously took that. He took a Power 5 job in a packed conference. An easier conference, but get the visibility. Then came to Big 10 because he's a Midwest Ohio guy to begin with. So, Deion Sanders coming. I'm looking at it at most 2-3 to three year projection here. If everything goes out perfectly. I'm not looking for a lifetime coach here. It would be ideal, but it wouldn't be. And with the reality of the landscape changing in the NCAA sports, 
with the transfer rules changing, you don't have to sit out a year for a one-time transfer. And also the name, image, and likeness, that's a big thing. Which is why a lot of the other schools like Stanford and like Berkeley are all struggling. Aside from not getting talent, like their re- admission requirement and are, that has made it really extremely difficult to have the transfer portal working. You know, some schools figure it out better. Such as the Jackson State, the SWAC. And some of you are must must be wondering, what has Deion Sanders done? I'm sorry, how many SWAC teams have you known other than Grambling State and the Southern University? How many HBCU, the historically black colleges and university athletic programs, have you heard of, including Jackson State before the prime time? What? What Colorado needed is a change in philosophy like the U of M did. And I'm glad that they took this risk. I don't want another football guy coming here just doing the usual football talk and not get anything out of it. What they needed is a jolt of energy. What they needed was a, is a fucking attention. It's not just the Colorado. It's the rest of the fucking conference that's been ass the last decade. USC just got fucking embarrassed. Even if they made the playoffs, their defense would have gotten destroyed because they have no defensive coaches in this entire fucking conference. I'm sorry, SEC, Big Ten, lead the way in teaching defense in the NFL. Not Pac-12. West Coast offense. There's no West Coast defense ever established. Deion Sanders comes, and he has gotten more recruiting highlights and transfer interests the last three days than you have ever imagined in 20 years. And some of you are asking like, man, who the fuck would go to Boulder? I'm sorry. It's a power five school in a major Denver area. Colorado compared to Arizona, Arizona State, have a much bigger alumni base. They just never had the motivation to spend the fucking money. Because they never show that they are willing to do it. So either you motivate the fan base and the alumni base and the booster base and get the shit going and have the right motivational magnet that Prime Coach Prime have been and attract that talent. See, Colorado has been the school that lost pretty decent, okay talent to USC's of the world. Jerry Rice's son was in Colorado last year before he transferred out. Now the kids are interested coming to Colorado from like SEC schools, you know, Big 12 schools. That's the way it should be. And I usually, I think I said four or five years ago that the Michigan thing, I give the program at least four to five years for the head coach and their class of the students, student athletes to work itself out. But no, with with the elevated expectation, I also change the timeline on it. I give Coach Prime three years. And, hey, what's his offensive scheme, defensive scheme? Don't fucking matter. Get, a, get the coordinators from the mid-range schools that would love a spotlight just as much as the students do. And guess what? The Kent State head coach, the MAC conference, Mid-Atlantic conference, head coach of an NCAA Division I school, wants to be an offensive coordinator at Colorado because even if Deion Sanders south this guy can step in as an interim head coach at a Pac-12 conference school team and then become a head coach elsewhere or get a legway job into an NFL with the Broncos or some shit 
That's how. That's why this hire is a high risk, high reward maneuver. But also, what this not just the school, but the conference fucking needed. Tell me what school in Pac-12 motivates you to come to and watch. Stanford? Nah, not the same. David Shaw's gone. Berkeley? Who gives a shit? LA and SC are gone. Arizona schools? Who gives a fuck? The Washington schools? They've been great, but it's Pacific Northwest. It's far deep in the Northwest corner that's far away from everybody. Oregon schools? Nah, I'd rather go to Washington or NorCal. Utah has Cowlingham for the football, has had the most stable, adaptive you know, program possible. You look at rest of them, and then just hiring another coach is going to be motivating you? No one would look at Pac-12 anymore. This would rejuvenate the entire Mountain West, West Conference scheme. So this is exciting. And I cannot wait to see how they do. And then I'm, I need to wait and see what the rest of the coaching staff and then the player transfer looks like. Because the players they got is like, I think Coach Prime said it. Like, if you want to transfer out, transfer out. We don't want you. To be honest, none of them fucking worked out. <laughs> they haven't recruited really good kids. But in fact, what would, what, what would attract a four or five star recruits to come to Boulder? Now you have a reason. Now you have a guy who has gotten older players in trouble. You remember Justin Blackman? You know, he was in the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was in the Oklahoma State. He got suspended a one whole year about a decade ago in Oklahoma State because he got in touch with Dion and for having an agent. Dion has had a pull for the longest time. And, you know, I just go, he's a magnet of attracting talent, which is what the football head coach should be. See, I had this episode about do we really need managers or head coaches? That at a professional level with the analytics and everything, that was one thing. But for college, it's not just a football job out there. Other than delegating football ins and outs and X's and O's, you need to attract the talent to work with you for two, three years because you know the coordinators come and go. Recruits come and go. They transfer in and out. What you need is a stable magnet that would come to you, flock to you. And you know what? Coach Prime made that work in Jackson State to attract Travis Hunter out of all fucking kids, the number one five-star recruit from last year, to Jackson State. But you know what? Even he knew that I can play with a transfer rule and go to another you know, Power 5 school if I want to, if I work this out right. And he's probably going to come to Boulder with a familiar environment and everybody playing in Pac-12. Easier conference, I will say. So I'm glad this happened because this is a different then move that is more advancing to the todays of the world that Stanford and fucking UCLA and USC refuse to do. USC and UCLA, they decide to go offense, no defense, and move to pack, uh, Big Ten, which I'm okay with because that's the reality of business. So how do you compete with that? You know, Coach Prime wasn't going to go to an SEC school, in my opinion. Coach Prime wasn't going to go to a Big Ten team, in my opinion. He was going to come where it's a Power 5 brand school that's good enough where it can attract the talent. That's why I was like, he's not going to go to University of Southern Florida. He knows the Fort Myers market. Yeah, but Southern Florida Bulls ain't going to play fucking Alabama. They're not going to play in the Rose Bowl. Colorado could. So, you know what? I'm excited about this hire. I think Rick Georgie, athletic director, 
took the most fucking move possible. And I don't look at Coach Prime as a forever solution, but his everlasting impact could be great. I want him to attract all the other, not just the players, but the the coordinators and recruits that's going to go. Because I, if you're a young mind in football, I will go to Boulder and get the spotlight that the, all that rubbed the kids are getting. As offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators, wide receivers coach, you know, strength and conditioning coach also. Fuck. You know, work out on the thin air. And then show that you can work that in that environment. You can get an easy local job going to the fucking Denver Broncos if you want. And then I like how the NFL coaches are talking up Coach Prime like, oh, Jerry Jones, the racist prick. See, people forget the racism is so recent in American history to a point where Jerry Jones was at the Arkansas, you know, the fucking Jim Crow laws of the 1950s as a 14-year-old. He gins him up. He gins up Coach Prime. I think Dion could coach in the NFL. Oh, shut up, Jerry, you racist prick. But you see what kind of magnet Coach Prime is. I hope he stays more than two years. More than Mel Tucker did, definitely. And then prove his worth. His son's going to come as a quarterback. Which I'm going like, we had this experiment with Dan and Cody Hawkins before. So I don't want to replay that in my head. But you know what? At least attract the Travis Hunters of the world. Attract other five-star recruits who don't get a playing time in Tennessee, Alabama, and all these places. Ohio even. Come play in Colorado. You get the spotlight. You play a pretty speedy conference with no fucking defense, okay? Get your NFL stock up. What an easy win. Great decision on both sides. Let's see how this transpires. And I, I will leave it there. Although I'm sick. You know, email me at aa-outlook.com. aa-outlook.com. Thousand days of sobriety. We'll see you next week. Peace out.